Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. You know, I could summarize this rental car story with, uh, if you're thinking of renting a car in August, book now. Now. Or just, you know, take public transit or Uber or borrow a car or buy a car or something. Uh, it's trending over $100 a day, rental car fees for August. And that's not for, you know, I'm, I'm renting a Land Rover or something like that. That's just for your average kind of uh-huh. semi-dumpy, mid-sized uh, rental car. Boy, a lot of people are going to be shocked. I know I would be because you don't really factor that into, like, the major expense of your trip usually. I don't anyway. Oh, yeah. They give plenty of examples here of people who are spending more for their rental car for two days than the flight that got them. Wow. Which is shocking. And, well, you know, maybe maybe take mass transit, you know, maybe just a, you decide, OK, I'm going to take an Uber and then jump on the local uh, rail, light rail thing. I might yeah, do that. I'm doing a little vacation travel and I've just I've done the math and I'm just going to Uber everywhere I go. It'll be a lot less expensive oh, than yeah. a rental car. Heck yeah. yeah. Plus, then you're not uh, parking or anything. If you didn't follow this during the uh, pandemic, the rental car companies, many of them sold off their fleets. That was the only revenue they had. So they figured, well, we got to keep the uh, doors open. We got to keep the uh, the motor running, so to speak. So we're we're going to sell off a bunch of our cars because we don't need them. Little did they know that when the economy and travel bounced back, it would be nearly impossible to find vehicles for reasonable amounts of money for the reasons of the the chip shortage and supply interruptions and the rest of it. So it's kind of a uh, a double, triple whammy that's led us to this point. But rental cars, brutal. Keep it in mind. So the world's strongest man competition is going on in Sacramento, California. It ends on uh, the 20th, Father's Day. I wish I had tickets and could go, but it's a limited crowd because of COVID. Uh Currently, two Americans lead, so that's uh, exciting. Yes, USA. Uh, we'll compete in a whole bunch of different contests, including, including the train pull, the pickaxe hold, and the Atlas Stones <laughs> over five grueling days. The pickaxe hold, is that you have to hold it straight out yes. for as long as you can? 60-pound axe, you have to hold it straight out. Uh, and, I uh, can't. <laughs> nobody, nobody made a minute, even among these guys. Nobody made it a minute. That's incredible. The- Qualifying day one was the loading medley, loading heavy things, I guess. The squat lift and the deadlift. You got to have descriptions of these. The loading I, I, medley. Have, what the hell is that? I'll have a little more here in a second. On day two, Fingal's fingers and the train pull. Then on day three, the overhead medley, pickaxe holding the stone off. <laughs> Titan's turntable on the final day, which is a new event. I'll tell you about all this here in just a second. If at the end of this you tell us you made up all of these events, yeah, no I kidding. won't be shocked. Yeah. This is the first time ever for Titan's Turntable. Now, if you don't know anything about old Sacramento, which I do know something about having lived near it for so many years, it uh, one of the, the anchors of old Sacramento is the best train museum you've ever been to in your life. And they do have a giant turntable, the way uh, they used to turn trains around. Maybe if you've been to San Francisco, you've seen the cable car turn around on that. Well, you have to push an antique locomotive around on the turntable a full 180 degrees. <laughs> Again, I can't. <laughs> and uh, I guess it's danged heavy. So there yeah. you go. Wow. Uh, Fingal's Fingers. <laughs> this is funny. I'm actually watching this right now. <laughs> They're turning the turntable? 
No, the uh, the Fingal's Fingers. Fingal's Fingers is returning the competition. This event was named after the mythological Gaelic hunter-warrior Fingal, written about in the 18th century. Uh, athletes need to lift a series of large pipes and drive each over a fulcrum. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, so picture a large metal pole, about 500 pounds, laying on the ground, and at one end is attached to like a hinge. Your job is to to push the pole upright and push it over to cool. the other direction. Good one. Nuh-uh, uh, I can't. With ever-increasing <laughs> weights as you do more. Yeah, what if I... Judges, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. I will say I'm that not, uh, I'm not strong enough. Back when I used to watch the uh, World's Strongest Man competition on ESPN, the five or whichever one it was, yeah. I liked how they did all the weights in stone. They, yes. they seem to have adjusted now towards pounds, which, again, makes yeah. it more easily yeah. understandable. Yeah. But clearly <laughs> on the second qualifying day, they had the train pole in which athletes race 20 meters while pulling a train car that weighs 80 tons. Which is pretty uh, amazing. Excuse me, Judge. 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 Can I get your me, attention? I, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. It's too heavy. <laughs> I can't move it. <laughs> Can we take some of the stuff out of that car? <laughs> just, I just stand there. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, Jack Armstrong of the United States has failed to even begin the event. <laughs> um, one of the favorites dropped out with a groin injury on day one. Oh, but Oof. that wasn't good. I'll bet that wasn't good. Uh, that'll put a hitch in your get along. I'm huh? sure. Trying yeah. to pull a train and all of a sudden your groin goes, ah! Spring? Gives out on you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they all big, they wear that big belt to keep their guts from spilling out. That's the point of the big belt, isn't it? It's more for their back, but yeah. yeah, I think it's back support, actually. Oh, okay. Says the guy who can't even start an event. <laughs> Michael, don't we have that? Didn't we have what was that tape you used to play whenever we talk about an injury? I broke six ribs. No, we got the, well, the we got the stretching thing. <laughs> we the got stre- that. Oh, that's right, stretch snap. It was labeled. They should they should have done this. That would have been a good promotional thing to have an average person like local disc jockey Jack Armstrong try any of these <laughs> events and like fail to do anything. Like it, it can't even lift up the thing to try to tip it over. The big rock you got to carry somewhere can't even get it off the ground. Can't budge the train. I can't do any of the things at all, let alone, you know, well. I don't, I don't feel like the fail case of an average Joe attempting these events is, oh, look, he couldn't do it. It's death. <laughs> People will die if they try to do these things. Oh, yeah, their hearts will just explode. Oof. Yeah. You got to get a young, a young jock. Atlas Stone rolls on your foot. Oh, jeez. Snap, crackle, pop. Fantastic. Yikes. And they, these guys almost never look like... Um, somebody that you would see and say, I'll bet that guy's the strongest man in the world. They almost never look like that. Well, that's because they don't look like muscle men. They look like farmers, big, mm-hmm. strong farmers. I think a lot of them, looking at some of the pictures, a lot of them, if you saw them in clothes, you'd just think, oh, that's the, the fat guy that works over in the cubicle. Yeah. No, he's the yeah. strongest man in the world. He lifts up all the cubicles, rearranges them. Yeah. you need a, you, Like your train won't start? You can't get your train started? He'll pull it for you. If you're, if you're, and as a matter of fact, if your train's pointing the wrong direction, he can turn it around and get it pointing the other direction. Exactly. Who else is going to help you with that? Nobody. Why'd you back the train into the driveway, honey? <laughs> now what am I going to do? If your ultra marathoner buddy's doing that, no. No. No, you need somebody yeah. to get your train pointed the right direction. Skinny little weasels. You got a beer keg? You need it you, here? You need it way up there? <laughs> Four stories up, not a stairway to be found? No, here's your guy. <laughs> hey, honey, the steel pole on a fulcrum's laying to the right. It's supposed to be laying to the left. 
I, and it's 500 pounds. I really need this axe held straight out for a full minute. <laughs> Who is going to help me with this? I will. <laughs> Actually, you know, I was going to do a mock Scandinavian accent, but the Americans are leading the way. What, yeah. Do we have names? Let's give credit where it's due, by golly. Mm-hmm. Well, these are, these should be household names. These are the world's strongest men. Currently, the leaders are Brian Shaw of the United States and Terry Mitchell of the U- United States. Way to go, fellas. In third place, J.F. Karen of Canada. Boo! I believe the guy who plays the mountain from the Game of Thrones actually competes in these things on occasion as well. God, this is a great name. The guy in fourth place from Georgia, part of the old Soviet Republic, Konstantin Janaishka. Now, that's a strongest man name right there. God bless you. Some guy that comes down out of the mountains. Yes, let me turn train around. That's the kind of guy that you need. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Came across this in The Guardian. I have a feeling one of our loyal listeners sent it to us, and I thank you, though I don't recall who sent it. I see this headline, food injustice has deep roots. Let's start with America's apple pie. What? I thought, food food injustice? injustice. Now I'm going to stick it in an oven and then chop it apart and ingest it. So that's unjust to the food, certainly. But I have a feeling that's not what they mean by food injustice. So I dive into this article by Raj. two pieces of pie. I only got one. That's my (laughs) food injustice. No, that's not what they mean either. Oh, he's well, okay. So Raj Patel's the writer. This is not the Onion. This is not the Babylon Bee. This is the Guardian, which is one of your more popular websites on earth. Resting on gingham cloth, a sugar crusted apple pie cools on the windowsill of a Midwestern farmhouse. Nothing could be more American, officially American. And they mentioned the Department of Defense once, for some reason, featured the pie in an online collection of American symbols along Uncle Sam in Cowboys. Not that American, not that apples, rather, are particularly American. Apples were first domesticated in Central Asia, et cetera, et cetera. Apples Hence traveled the to Fuji apple, probably, right? Durr, yes, hmm. clearly. Yeah. Uh, so listen, here's where he gets into his point. Which apple apples, do you buy usually if you go to the store? Because there's a lot uh, of apples at the grocery store I go. There's a tremendous number of choices. I feel like I there can't are too many apples. raw apples. Yeah, I can't eat raw apples, so oh, okay. I don't buy apples at all. Okay. Granny uh, just Smith. Wouldn't bring Which Granny Smith? Yeah, the green ones. I like yeah. Pink Lady. Pink Lady is the name of an apple? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a fine apple. Delicacy. You can only get that in very small windows. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I'll keep an eye on I like the the really red, like... Red delicious? The reddest of red apples. I don't know what it's called. I base red it, communist apples. Base it on a view. But there are way too many apple choices at my grocery store. Narrow it down. <laughs> or just that fits put in, in with your too many websites theory. The government ought to designate 12. <laughs> or put them in a big container where we can't see them and you just give me one at random. I'll be fine. Right, The apple of the day. Hey, there you go. I like that. How about that? So anyway, here, here's where he starts to get into his main point. Apples traveled to the Western Hemisphere with Spanish colonists and colonists in the 1500s in what used to be called the Columbian Exchange, but is now better understood as a vast and ongoing genocide of indigenous people. Okay. You know, you go. realize those indigenous people wiped out other indigenous people when they crossed over the hill wherever they were. 
What? Shut up. Inconvenient. Not that the recipe for apple pie is uniquely American. It's a variant on the English pumpkin recipe. By the time the English... Got, you know what? We, the, I just uh, realized how we should present uh, this. We got to have, like, pleasant, upbeat music until <laughs> my tone of voice changes. So, Michael, do you think we could pull that off on the fly? So you're about to tell me because somebody else was making a pie with a different fruit for a while, and then they started making it with apples, that that's wrong somehow? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You're not nearly woke enough. <laughs> By the time the English colonized the New World, apple trees became markers of civilization, which is to say, property. Uh, blah, 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 Johnny, Johnny Appleseed, we know that story. He planted apples across the frontier which symbolized the U.S. expansion and the colonization and the... No, you're supposed to I, but change my tone of voice. No, you don't oh, get the premise talking. at all. Man. I was going to hit the big dramatic thing. Oh, okay. These markers of colonized property on the frontiers of U.S. expansion where the trees stood as symbols that indigenous communities had been extirpated. Oh, no. <laughs> What's extirpated mean? I'm, I'm going to have to uh, flip through the dictionary here. I hear my community has been extirpated, and I don't know if that means we're all going to get $10,000 or our heads chopped off. I assume it doesn't mean they were put in retirement communities with heated pools. It's not a good thing. Okay. Not that the sugar on the crust is uniquely American. Sugar cane was first brought. Where's the cheerful music, Michael? What is it? What is it you don't get about this? There we go. Sugarcane was first brought to the U.S. by Jesuits in 1751. But most U.S. sugar remained an import until the Haitian Revolution, when enslaved workers seized the French colonies. Okay, all right, but what, so... Okay. Within 50 years, the U.S. produced a quarter of the world's sugar cane. And New Orleans had become a concomitant hub of the slave trade. <laughs> After emancipation, the economics of sugar shifted. The American Civil War pushed the frontier of sugar westward. Hawaii's sugar plantations grew. When the Philippines was a U.S. colony between 1898 and 1946, Filipino workers were accepted from the Asiatic bar zones to work in U.S. sugar plantations. Okay, so they didn't let people from the Philippines work in the sugar plantations, and I'm not supposed to eat an apple pie? Or, or they made I... them or something, I, I don't but what, know. But what's the ultimate point of this? Is I'm just supposed There's to no feel, friggin' point. <laughs> am I just supposed to feel bad about apple pie? Yes. Yes. Because every component of it has in its history evil. Evil and exploitation. They even go on to note one more time, Michael. Note that the gingham cloth on which our apple pie rests is uniquely American. Or I'm sorry, not that it. Columbus recorded cotton being used and worn during his first voyage by his indigenous hosts. The gingham pattern likely originated in Southeast Asia, blah, blah, blah. But as Sven Beckert's Empire of Cotton tells, this war for capitalism enslaved and committed acts of genocide against millions of indigenous peoples in North America and millions of Africans, blah, blah, blah. blah. So because of the history of this, these various goods, the apple trade 350 years ago, you're supposed to view the apple pie as quite literally, again, the headline, uh, as a symbol of food injustice. All right. 
Are God, these people that, are tiresome and yeah, nuts. Yeah, I'd say. Does it mention anywhere how delicious apple pie is? Because that, uh, that plays a role. It's deliciousness. Yeah. How um, people of all races uh, want it, want it now. They're thinking of having a slice right now because we're talking about it. Some big thing is going to come along. I'm not looking forward to it. Some big thing, a world war, a pandemic that makes this one look like nothing, a Great Depression, something. Something's going to come along that wipes out all this silliness where we don't have time to write long papers and read them and worry about apple pie and where it came from. That's going to happen. It's the history of the world. It'll be a Schrodinger's incident. It will be both a terrible a curse and a wonderful blessing in some ways, but mostly a curse. Yeah, because we got all this time and safety and money to stare in our own navels and think about this crap right now. We should be yeah. we should be happy that we've got the, uh, the 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 freedom to do so. So little to worry about that we can. Jeez, most human beings throughout human history have not been able to spend time on this crap. No kidding. You're trying to keep your kids alive and you alive. So, if you could get a slice of apple pie, warm, a la mode, for $100, would you go for that deal right now? I mean, if somebody could have it in the next five minutes. Whose apple pie is it, though? The apple pie varies so much. Just, I'm assuming it's an excellent apple pie. Then, yes. $100. See, no, yes. right now. Done. Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody's going to show up at the so door bad. with pie. Sorry, sorry. The whole injustice thing, I'm trying, but uh, I want pie. Point of privilege, quick point um, of personal privilege. Yeah. So many Americans believe yada, yada, yada. This is Armstrong and Getty. The lunacy of this, this exercise. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? Hey, man. All right, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know if you saw this picture. This is the afternoon, <laughs> the afternoon news crew from here at the radio station. Uh, it says, uh, "Thanks for the pizza newsroom," and it's a bunch of people that work in the afternoon doing uh, radio news. And how did they get a pizza? And why are they thanking me? Well, so I ordered a pizza yesterday afternoon for myself, having a particularly stressful day. Knew I wasn't going to have time to like get any meal together, anything like that. So I just ordered a pizza, and uh, I door dashed it. And I'm watching the little app on my thing, and it's like, you know, you follow the little thing at the bottom, like, order to the restaurant, restaurant has finished the order, Dasher has picked up the order, Dasher is on the way. And it just keeps getting later and later. I'm like, God, how is it taking so long to this pizza? And the guy calls me, and he says, so I'm on the second floor, and I don't see it. I said, uh, I said what now? There's no second floor to my house. What, where are you? <laughs> and he gives me the address. The call came from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> gives me the address, and I realized... They, they, they ought to change the DoorDash thing. I don't, I don't think the app's laid out the best way for this. But anyway, um, when I tried to order donuts a week or so ago, when I was needing a D, I was really, because I'm hooked on the D, donuts. <laughs> um, I was needing the D. I ordered some donuts to be sent here to the radio station, and so my address was still set for the radio station. Oh, boy. And so the pizza I was starving and waiting on and looking forward to so much at home came to the radio station. So I called the radio station and said, hey, there's a DoorDasher outside. Take the pizza and eat it, because, you know, what are you going to do? So I was happy to buy everybody a pizza. Go! Um, but check check the last time you used DoorDash. You mm. might have been at a hotel or something like that and didn't switch it back to your old address. Right, right. Somebody in room 203 at the Days Inn. Yeah. 
Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Going to get a hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's me. I ordered that, yeah. Well, they might as well eat it. So uh, we're doing this for a couple reasons. Number one, because we have a couple of clips worth playing for you. And secondly, because we got a brand new theme song for cleaning out the sound fridge. No, that's not it. Cleaning out the sound fridge. Yes! I like it. <laughs> Play that again. Yes. Cleaning out the sound fridge. He doesn't enunciate very well. Cleaning out the sound fridge. I like it. One more time. Yeah, it's growing on me. All right, we didn't get to this during the radio I can't show. I tell you how disappointed I was. My mouth watering the pizza was so close to me, realizing that I wasn't going to have a pizza anytime soon. Because it was almost there, but there was here. It was like not an there. hour away from where I am. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, very disappointed. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, nothing in your fridge, but we're... Cleaning out the sound fridge. Yeah. Uh, Jen Griffin. I kind of like the marbly mouth version. (laughs) (laughs) Cleaning out the sound fridge. Cleaning out the sound fridge. That's pretty good. I like it. The more I hear it, the more I like it. Jen Griffin, Fox News, talking about the COVID and the leak in the lab in France. 35. We have long known that the French helped build the Wuhan lab, a deal with China that dates back to 2004, and that the French were responsible for managing its safety protocols until they were suddenly kicked out of the lab by the Chinese government back in 2017. Two years before that, according to David Asher, the State Department's former lead investigator into the COVID origin, French intelligence uh, allegedly warned the U.S. government that it had concerns about Chinese actions at the laboratory how if only we could connect some dots and figure out how this all happened it's a mystery it's a mystery that'll never be solved jeez the french told us hey uh, guys they kicked us out of the lab and they're really sloppy there and they're working on like these really dangerous viruses and they kicked us out we can't even get them out and they do a terrible job yeah there's something really weird going on at the wuhan institute of virology years ago and so then when it breaks worldwide as a news story rather than anybody saying hey remember what the french told us a while back i'll bet that's what's going on no we go with the whole it came out of the wet market from a bat bullshit where'd that come from well the chinese communists told us that you just believed them yeah and dr fauci did because he's afraid that he's that people are going to find out that he's in favor of funding this sort of stuff. well donald trump said it might have leaked from the the wuhan institute and we hate trump so everything he says is wrong so we'll say what the chinese communists say instead you know, and, and anybody who disagrees will silence them <laughs> frustrating that there was nobody in government said yep the french warned us about this i have pretty good guess of what happened here no, that's not the story that that emerged. The completely made up came from a bat. No, no. Speaking of good advice, the great O.J. Simpson has one has some for his fellow Buffalo Bill. Well, racing. We have to play the jingle again. Speaking of good <laughs> advice, O.J. Simpson, who killed a couple of people, has some advice for his fellow Bill Cole Beasley. Now I'm watching the Buffalo Bill. Um, I'm watching Beasley. And I like Beasley. I love how he played for the Bills last year. But this talk about 
uh, losing his rights if he got a shot. B.S. You don't have the right to to drive at point oh eight alcohol uh, in your blood. You don't have a right to drive over eighty miles an hour. Those are safety issues. This whole thing is about safety, public safety. It's not about your rights. Uh, I like what uh, Hughes, the defensive end for the Bills, is saying. Look, man, what the league says now, you're not going to get paid if you get uh, COVID and it costs the team gains. You don't have the right to cost your teammates a game check. You take a boot off their table. You don't have the right to put them in jeopardy health-wise. You don't have the right to do that. My suggestion is opt out. If you don't want to get the shot, don't play. I'm sure you got enough money uh, to last you, but you don't have the right to put your team oh. in financial and physical. That make you a bad person. I'm just saying. E- ESPN, I'm you've got saying. you got to hire OJ, and you got to give him a show. <laughs> have him co-host it with some numb skull, some. Dumb sportscaster. Come for the irony. Stay for the stupidity, the lack of understanding of rights. There's a murderer lecturing us on the finer points of morality. Whether you get your vaccine or not. He's he's cracking down on speeders and people who won't get the vax. (laughs) Wow. That is something. That is really... Is there any other disgraced... uh, That guy with uh, no feet that shot his wife. He could be the co-host with... uh, Oh, the South African guy. Yeah. Yeah. He could co-host with O.J. on the show. The guy with no feet who shot his wife. That wasn't much to go on. Zacharias? Zach, um, what was his name? Some, somebody matter. Google that. Yeah. Of course, you got to have more to go on than what I came up with. It's Australian, right? Australian? South African. South African. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right hemisphere. Thank you. Right accent. South African... Oscar Pistorius. That's right. He and OJ would be a good uh, tandem to host a show. Jeez. That's dark. Somebody turn on the lights. It was your idea. I tell you what, you turn on, you got to open the the door to turn on the lights when you're Turn on the lights. I don't know know what I'm saying. I'm hardly paying attention. And then this, the always uh, entertaining Mark Stein, Clip 73. So Dallas Justice Now has correctly if very belatedly, grasp that the white liberals' tedious pantomime of fake civilizational disavowal and pseudo-self-loathing isn't getting them anywhere. And they're demanding that the O'Rourke family actually forswear Columbia University and his fellow Texas liberals do likewise. They're absolutely right. This is win-win. Your kid will learn just as much at Dead Buzzard Junction Community College. (laughs) Uh, Well, except for the uh, basket weaving and puppetry, which is harder than it looks, at least when compared to transgender and colonialism studies. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he's a great writer. Mm. So, uh, this, finally this. Uh, anonymous. <clears throat> Had another weird layover, this time in San Jose. Between flights, I was on a mission to run to the bathroom, etc. Because if there's one thing that can unite Americans, it's that airplane bathrooms are vile sky buckets. True that. Any, and I don't need to sit. Anyway, I walked into the very large, clearly labeled women's bathroom, and the stall immediately facing the entrance, with the stall door open for all to see was a man standing up and peeing. Oh, boy. For half a second, I stopped and looked around, fearing I had entered the wrong bathroom. Right. But to my right and left were about four women washing their hands, fixing their makeup, etc. Looked back at him, clean cut, buzz cut, 
men's arsenal soccer jersey and shorts. Again, clearly a man, not female presenting, no, not female organ, having a stream of pee, et cetera, et cetera. And I was about to say something, but then I remembered you reporting on the L.A. spa incident and many other controversial cancelings, and I genuinely found myself too afraid to say something and make a scene. I froze, and I'm disappointed in myself for it. Mm, I think you made the right choice there, actually. Uh, yeah, anybody gets a picture of you, then somebody identifies you, and it's made your life a hell for yeah. really accomplishing nothing. Karen verbally assaults transgender woman right. in bathroom. Right. Yeah, it, you've got to come at it with, with people, with numbers. You have to be ready. You have to have your ducks in a row. Uh, just to all of a sudden ad hoc have a protest. It's, it, you're right. It is dangerous. Transphobic Karen. And yes, then you're, and then you get a bunch of, a bunch of emails to wherever you work and phone calls and your boss says, look, we're going to have to let you go. This has just brought too much scrutiny down on our business. Yeah. You lose your job. Yeah. I mean, and this is not uh, far fetched. What we're what we're laying out here that fact that's the most likely thing that happens. Yeah, and final note, you know, in continuing to read James Lindsay's cynical theories, part of the the whole purpose of the the queer theories and the the, the like this new wave of uh, transgender this and and birthing people that they're trying to erase the very idea of men and women. It's a weird fringe academic thing where there can be no binaries. There can be no men and women. It's please do not use gendered language to <laughs> to address everyone. Well, and he's that uh, <laughs> breathless old idiot is uh, you know of that ilk apparently. But their idea is they want you so confused you don't know what to words to use, so you just don't use any words whatsoever. It's a bizarre philosophy, but it's catching hold because people think they're being enlightened. They think they're supporting gay rights by saying birthing people. Although a lot of gay folks are saying, uh, "How's that helping us?" It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, yeah, and you, 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 you don't get into the fight. We'll, we'll do that for you on the air. The percentage of people that say Latinx or birthing people has got to be under five. Oh, yeah, it's tiny. Absolutely tiny. I'm almost disappointed we're not playing this clip again. Can we? I know it's illegal because we don't have another clip, but I feel like we. I just really want to hear it. We, we do have another clip, oh, actually. Oh, we do? Yeah, we have a guy that, uh, well, here, listen to this. The first thing no, I had no, to do was take a Yeah, you can't We got to explain what we're doing. We're... Oh. Yeah, that's what I want to oh, hear. Oh, he says. That's <laughs> Go ahead. The first thing I had to do was take apart some old crutches I had laying around so I could build in some sort of spring mechanism. Then I'd start taking some exact measurements of my crutches and hop into my computer and start 3D designing what was going to be the new parts. Luckily, it was all finished up on the 3D printer so I could take that part off and start assembling all of the different parts I was going to need to build the pogo crutches together. I gave it a little bit of a test and now it's time to bounce around with a nice broken leg and make things just a little bit more extreme when you're down and out. For anybody who's ever been on crutches and wished they were pogo sticks, there's your answer. Sounds like a great idea. Injure your other leg with pogo crutches. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Speaking of women, this wouldn't have to be a woman, but it is in this case. Uh, I was just mentioning a very pleasant coworker that we have here. Mm-hmm. And 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 how incredibly pleasant she is, and like sunshiny and smiley, and how every workplace needs at least one of those people. You've probably got one in your workplace. Otherwise, it's all people like me. 
And you don't want that. You need somebody who looks like they're at least optimistic about being alive today. Right. And has some sort of joy within them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Every workplace needs one of those to, uh, to brighten the, the brighten things. Yeah, does anybody, is there any sort of method or, or science or quiz or, or multiple choice tests you can administer to people? One of those aptitude things that will address that question. You know, you're terribly uh, capable there, Joe, but uh, I'm afraid you're a dark and grumbly, and we already have two of those. We really need a sunshiny and optimistic. You know, so thank you. Decent point. If you're hiring and you don't have that sort of person, you should give, you know, uh, extra uh, and, and, you know, raise their score up. You know, you, you got three people that are roughly the same qualification, but that one's the sunshiny person that walks into the office place and automatically the room is brighter and people, you know, are feel more optimistic. That's a person you want to hire. Now, I don't know how you, I don't know how you express that in an interview. Yeah, but it cuts both ways because, you know, how many of us have experienced a boss who has more of a, I don't know, cheerleader aspect yeah. and doesn't get grinders? Yeah. Because some of us are grinders. Yeah, We're different. serious. We get our job done. We, we, we grind. There's, there's different kinds of sunshiny. Like this particular sunshiny person is also, uh, cynical and real. Not a lot of smile, you know, not that sort of sunshiny. I don't, that kind of sunshiny actually makes me less happy. Yes. Don't say smile to me. If you want to, don't say smile to anybody not smiling. You want to ensure that they're going to continue to not smile and say, hate you. Say and hate you. As say, a bonus, say <laughs> smile to them. <laughs> uh, we just got this text. Thought it was pretty good. Uh, speaking of uh, something that's nice and uplifting, I've got my five-month-old baby asleep on my chest. That is an awesome time in anyone's oh, life. Oh my gosh, yeah, for the both the baby and the and the parent. I was just browsing for her uh, at World Market, going through the the website, and I see these books for babies. I will not click on them because I don't want to support their algorithms, one of them being the anti-racist baby book. It's obscene. It is obscene. It's absolutely obscene. obscene. And we probably don't have those kind of soft heads listening to us right now, but there are soft heads out there right now. Reading a book that's telling you that if you're white, your little five-month-old baby was born racist, and you need to teach them not to be racist. Freaking incredible. Oh, yeah. It's it's terrible. We read a part of a great opinion Only if piece. your baby's white, though. If your baby's right. not white, they weren't born racist. Oh, no, they're perfect. They, in fact, they can't be racist because they're not white. According to the idiots and the idiots who follow them. But we shared part of this editorial from the Wall Street Journal yesterday that I thought was fantastic. Talking about, they mentioned the old saying, the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing, which was uh, like from an ancient Greek poet. Nobody can figure out what the hell he was talking about. Well, which are you, which is better? That's, that's what I would get confused about. I've read various pieces. Saying, and that's why you want to be a hedgehog, or and that's why you need to be a fox. And I still don't, I am confused by it. I think within your organization, you probably need some of each. But maybe that's uh, it. Yeah, I mean, in the chemistry in the chemistry department, you probably want a handful of hedgehogs and then some foxes to supervise them. But anyway, uh, they make the point that uh, the hedgehogs, like Karl Marx, thinks everything is one big thing. It's an all-sufficient super explanation, and that's the only thing they can think about. And that's absolutely the anti-racism crowd. They're obsessed with it. They're monomaniacs. But then this this writer, Lance Morrow, gets into the, the fact that once you become a hedgehog, you're a monomaniac, you think everything is one thing, um, 
then all of a sudden you get not only are you uh, uh what's the myopic uh but you start to feel uh, victimhood and anger toward anybody else who sees any subtleties in the world and you get more and more justified in committing revenge or any crime you have this sense of grievance um and anybody who's against your one big thing is evil and needs to be rooted out um and 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 just and anybody who doesn't see the world like you do is a bad person and that's hedgehoggery is evil hmm. no matter who it comes from Anyway. Yeah, it is, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people have compared Marxism, um, heaven on earth. I mean, that's where that whole came for, thing came from, as being like a religion. And and wokeism and anti-racism have all the trappings of religion, also. And it's interesting that both those crowds hate religion um, so much because they're so one. They have such a narrow view of things, and everything fits into this particular narrative. Well, do that in yourself, either Marxist or wokeists. Well, it reminds me very much of like a fundamentalist Muslim or somebody like that. They don't hate religion. They just hate every religion but theirs. And I think the wokists are like that, too. They, they believe in one true religion. 